I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Welcome to the very first off-season edition of A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 28 of the show. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week, like I am every week, by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Off-season is usually slow as far as news goes, but the Mets are one of eight teams looking for a new manager, as it turns out. Um, We were just chatting before the show, and we were trying to remember like when Mickey Cowley got fired relative to our podcast airing last time, and I think it was like the day before, if not the same day. Um, so since we recorded last, Mickey Calloway has indeed been fired. Um, I guess, yay. <laughs> I guess I can yeah. celebrate that. Yeah, it was time. Like, I can't exactly celebrate, like, a dude losing his job, but I'm glad that that is what happens. And I hope he gets a totally different job. Yeah. He can be someone's pitching coach. In fact, rumor has it that he may ultimately be the Phillies pitching coach. That's the kind of thing that scares me. Like, yeah. that is some Mets, um, Mets, like, whatever the opposite of devil magic is, devil evil. Like, that would so happen to the Mets that he goes and, like, all of a sudden, Vince Velasquez or something, it has, like, a 1.2 ERA. 
Zach Eflin 2020 Cy Young Award winner. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put that out in the world. (laughs) I'm on record. (laughs) Although, does he really want to work with Arietta? Arietta's kind of, um, I don't know how to say this nicely. Not nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's I mean, not a like, nice person. Lots of them aren't nice, but Arietta used to be. I, I can't imagine there is a former pitching coach on the planet who wouldn't want to try to to fix Jake Arietta. That sounds like, for those who do that, a super fun job. Yeah. Yeah. And Nola, too. Nola had a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, that is that's what scares me. I feel like there's some good arms over there that could just take off. Yeah, they could just pop off and everyone would be like, Mickey the genius. <laughs> and plus it. their whole like entire bullpen was hurt. So yeah. if they, they actually had like a semblance of a bullpen, like the Phillies could be dangerous next year. Oh yeah. Maybe maybe the Phillies will go full um galaxy brain and hire him as their manager. That would be wild. I, w- I would be actually a-okay with that. Yeah, like, same. <laughs> so the Black Phillies, bye. Yeah, who would be the guy he would leave in to, to like, to pinch to Pete, Pete Alonzo like he did Bryce Harper? Like, Zamora had to face <laughs> Bryce Harper. Who, oh, man, like... Who would be the guy he would leave to, to get Pete Alonzo out? Who's, who's Nobody that... knows the name of that guy. Who's, no. Who's that guy that the Mets scored all those runs off of on like when Todd Frazier hit the two home runs, that guy. Yes. Jared Hughes. <laughs> oh yes. 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 <laughs> that guy. That's calling it now. That and guy. he would say, Oh, I had to get like Paul Seawald out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Galaxy that would brain. Be fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was time to go Mickey. I, I don't know, man. He just, he made so many bad choices. And not only did he make bad choices, he seemed to truly in his heart believe that they were good choices. And that was what was more concerning than anything. Yeah, Mistakes what was were the made. Thing? Yeah, what was the thing he said? Like, oh, 10 out of 10 times I'd do that again, even though he it blew up. That. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and I can't he also remember said what it was. 85% of the things that I do are probably against analytics. Oh. Is, is another thing he said. Yeah. It's not great. It's just not not great. great. They're a whole collection of things. Um, I did a post-mortem for Baseball Prospectus, and and Maggie did the post-mortem for (laughs) Amazing Avenue, and we ended up with almost the exact same title because we have the same brain now. (laughs) And, like, also, when we looked at the... I read it was was a really good article. You should absolutely read it. Um, We had a lot of the same basic theses... (laughs) (laughs) almost exact title but yeah that was good times yes everybody read both the articles yep so if you want to get a a post-mortem on mickey calloway's tenure as mets manager heads up it's not great as i'm sure all of you know read Maggie's piece over at Amazing Avenue and then my piece over at Baseball Perspectives. We both (laughs) reviewed the good the bad and the ugly and there was a lot of the latter too um but you know, and, and we each squeezed in one last Tony Basil reference. Yes, for the road. Yep, as you do. 
Um, so the Mets are now one of the eight teams, like I said, searching for a new manager, um, including the Phillies now. And so now Gabe Kapler is a free agent. <laughs> um, nope. No, no coconut pass. oil near my team. Thanks. Um, that had disaster written over it from the start. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so the Mets have already confirmed four people um, that they are um, that they are going to interview in person as of this recording on October 10th, Thursday evening. Yes, we are recording on a Thursday. It's very random. You guys probably won't get this in your feeds until next week. But we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu this week, you know, one week into the off season, and we are already not in the best shape of our lives. But don't worry, we will get... <laughs> Back on a regular rotation in no Don't time. Don't worry, Allison. I haven't been in the best shape of my life in a really <laughs> wrong time. <laughs> like, that's not even... <laughs> yeah, man. Don't wait up. Um, <laughs> so since, that there, since there will be like a greater than usual um, delay between us recording and the podcast actually going up, apologies for any intervening developments in the managerial search between now and then. But as of this recording on Thursday night... Um, the Mets will interview Joe Girardi, Carlos Beltran, Mike Bell, and Derek Shelton, who is the latest um, addition to that list, are all interviewing in person. Um, I mean, you guys know who Joe Girardi is, obviously, managed the Yankees for 10 seasons and then was kind of, you know, surprisingly fired um, despite enormous success but you know I think when it comes to the Yankees they have a different standard for what they call success and I guess only one World Series championship was not enough for them despite many playoff appearances despite like a record that was ultimately 200 games over 500 for those 10 seasons or something like that Um, and he was good with the Marlins too yeah yeah Um, I always got the vibe it was more of a like we just kind of want to change things up a bit than like yeah, an yeah. out and out firing. Like 10 years is a long time. And Cashman even gave him an endorsement and that was his boss. So yeah. it's not like there's any animosity there. Yeah. It seemed like, I mean, um, this was a couple years ago now, so it could be that my memory is failing me, but it seems like there was, you know, some like, just like it wasn't even animosity, but it was like just disagreements with the front office over the future direction of the team. And so just like they weren't seeing eye to eye on certain things. And so they were kind of just like, we're going to go in a new direction. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously I think that, you know, most people probably feel he's the front runner for the job at this point. He's made it no secret that he wants to manage again. He obviously has ample experience managing, not only managing, but managing in New York, dealing with the New York media, something that obviously Mickey Calloway proved himself to be very not adept at. (laughs) And um, the National League, too. Yes, yes. And even though he spent his most recent tenure and his longest tenure with the Yankees, he has experience in the National League. So it's not like he doesn't know what a double switch is. We won't have to experience (laughs) that again hopefully um so I think that he's like the most obvious candidate of these that we are interviewing however um it did come out today well we already knew going into today that he was also interviewing for the vacant Cubs position the Cubs have moved on from Joe Madden that's kind of a similar situation when the Yankees moved on from Joe Girardi that was kind of like a parting of ways more than a firing um but the, he interviewed with the, for the Cubs job today, and apparently it lasted eight hours, according to people on Twitter.com. Who, I forget who reported that. I think it yeah, was, I uh, saw that too. Yeah. This is way too long. Yeah, it was no Mike Puma you. of the Post reported that. 
God, who wants to talk to any human being for eight hours straight? <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. Like, was there a nap involved? I I hope so. I hope there yeah. were snacks. Personally. Yeah, I, I actually, I bet there was some pretty baller food, and I would love to hear about it. Why yeah. doesn't anybody ever, like, like, okay, eight hours, whatever, but what did they eat? Yeah, Joe, we want you to come on the pod, whether you end up manager or not, so you can tell us about the food from the interviews. We want to know about that. That's the most important. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, that's how you knew right off the bat that Curtis Granderson was somebody special because mm-hmm. he made sure that we all knew that he had salmon and that's salmon wonderful. Salmon dinner. Yep, that's what won him over. Yep. Um. So yeah, that lasted eight hours. So I don't know that. Who knows? That probably means it went well, but like, pfft. um, maybe. I mean, just to win the back pages, maybe the Wilpons will interview him for ten hours. Who knows? Um. Anyway, he is, he's due to have an interview. Um, Carlos Beltran is due to have an interview. Mets fans need no introduction to Carlos Beltran, obviously. Um, you know, former Met, all-time great Met. However, you know, there's a certain segment of the fan base that will be forever bitter and be forever hashtag blaming Beltran for things. Um, and I'm a little <laughs> worried about... I I think he's really smart and good at the baseball things. I just this this franchise is such a clusterfuck that I feel like I would rather him get some practice someplace else. Yeah. I don't know. I just I have a I have this bad feeling that it's just going to go badly because everything goes badly with the Mets and I don't want that to to mar Carlos Beltran. Yeah. My and, brain says no, but my heart says yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Donovan Mitchell, who plays for the Utah Jazz and is a big Mets fan because his dad works for the organization, um, he had a good point that he doesn't want Beltran as a coach because then you always end up hating the coach. And he doesn't want that. Like, he doesn't want to end up hating Carlos Beltran. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, I'm kind of. I think people either feel that way or they already hate him. Those are the two modes of Mets fans. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, okay. His exact tweet was because um, he was responding to another tweet saying Beltran was scapegoated and underappreciated. Let him find redemption as a Mets, man- Mets manager. So he responded, I agree. He was super un- underappreciated. But if things don't go right with him as manager, people will be quick to hate him more. And I don't want to see that happen because he is truly a Mets legend. Yeah. It's real. It's a good take. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of like, I don't know, like I said, my my heart is kind of overruling my head here, even though my brain knows that that's like, that's a good, good take. And I agree. My heart is like, I want Carlos Beltran to lead the Mets to a World Series. Oh. Uh, heart, what it, heart wants Wouldn't what it that wants, be man. perfect? It'd be though. very good. And then, and then the How Mets poetic. would have to retire his number. They, do, they desperately <laughs> don't want to, but they would have to. And because of the existence of fans that hate him, they will always be able to get away with not doing it unless. Yep. Unless he's a hero as a manager. But, you know, like you said, Maggie, it's kind of like pushing a little kid into the deep end without floaties when <laughs> when you have no managerial experience and suddenly you have to manage the Mets of all teams. Um, so I think that Beltran would be a really good fit for this clubhouse, though. But I think that, like, 
I think that having someone like more experienced like Girardi at the helm with Beltran as a bench coach would be like really awesome in like an ideal situation. I just don't know if Beltran would take that gig. I think he wants to manage. Yeah, Um, which I would understand. And he deserves a shot at it. Like he clearly like people around baseball, like he's immensely well regarded around baseball, not just in like not just among the, you know, less bitter Mets fans among us. Um, He's, you know, immensely well regarded like people think he's really smart and I think that he would make a good manager it's just that I don't know you know all the past baggage with the Mets organization and the media circus that he's already dealt with it's just it kind of adds an extra element to it that's kind of like "Mm." but it also is kind of I don't want to say hopeful because hope with the Mets is always a dangerous thing but it seems that they're at least like the names that have popped up, Mike Bell was random, but it seems like they're at least approaching this in a smart way. Um, that they're not just looking for retreads, which were, we were afraid what was going to happen with Mickey Calloway. Not that it worked out, but at least they tried something different. And he, yeah, did, and he did end up with a winning record, which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I appreciate the thought that the yeah. thoughts that went into the process. Yeah, so at least they're trying, not just like Joe Madden, like or yeah. Dusty Baker, or you know, at least they're you know at least open to pursuing Carlos Beltran. Yeah, and the other two candidates that haven't gotten as much press but have come up are also I would say less conventional choices um neither of them have you know like managerial experience but uh but Derek Shelton has coaching experience he's the current twins bench bench coach um and he's like an intriguing choice you know he's been part of this twins team that I mean obviously you know they ran into the Yankees juggernaut yet again and the curse lives on, but they were a 100 plus win team this season. And he was a part of that. Um, Mike Bell is um, head of Diamondbacks player development. So he's kind of comes more from the player development side, which might be an interesting like perspective to have in a manager. Um, I do fear though, with these two, I don't know how much of it is the Mets being like, oh, we're thinking out of the box and how much of it is the Mets being like, we want yes men because these people aren't going to be strong-willed like someone like Girardi who has a ton of experience and will want independence in his clubhouse. We're just going to hire these dudes who will just like do whatever the Wilpons tell them to do. Yeah, that's always my biggest fear is that they aren't open. I don't want to say open to new ideas, but... They seem to think they know better than everybody else and kind of don't want to hear arguments against it. Um, And that's usually what they want is usually exactly what you shouldn't want because they're so behind everybody else. But I don't know. So I don't know if bringing in somebody new is bringing in new ideas or just somebody who will implement their ideas. Well, there's also, I mean, the problem now is that eight, different clubs are looking for new managers yep and it's not like it's not like the eight that have just been fired are just gonna like rotate a little bit like there's it's gonna get kind of complicated and the Mets are going to have to appeal to candidates as an organization and not just as an opportunity to manage because there's a million opportunities to manage right now and they just have to come up with a better offer, whether that's financial, 
or workplace related or whatever it is, like the Mets actually have to really um, draw somebody. And I don't know how well they do that. Like, I can kind of see both sides of the argument here because, I mean, the Wilpons reputation precedes them. Um, but at the same time, the Mets have a promising team. So any candidate, I guess, would have to weigh the pros and cons. Like, do I want to manage a fun kind of young up and coming team or do I want to be somewhere where I'm always micromanaged? So, I mean, they do have some appeal to them, but then there's also that elephant in the room always. Yeah, the Mets have like... As clubhouses go, like right now, this mix of guys they have is a pretty easy clubhouse to deal with. Yeah. Not to say they don't have big personalities in that clubhouse, but like they don't have... Low drama. Yeah. It's like pretty low drama. Like the only... The major drama that was created last season was created by two individuals who are both gone now. So... Yeah. um, Although everybody's still trying to stir up this, like, Syndergaard is a personality is a drama like Disha wrote that like oh Syndergaard's a troublemaker no he's not I'm so tired of that reputation he's not I mean, a problem in like, the clubhouse he just no. doesn't like ownership <laughs> <laughs> even if he does have a little bit of attitude it's also like well within the standard range of just about any young pitcher's attitude like yeah he's he's outspoken and particular yeah but also like in a relatively normal way i feel like there's big drama in other ways that he dodges completely yeah it's not like he's just being difficult to be difficult like he wants to perform well is that such a bad thing yeah yeah and i mean but like oh stop the presses a pitcher has an ego oh dear oh shocker yeah. Like, no other pitcher in the entire major league has an ego. Yeah, right. <laughs> and no other pitcher in the entire major leagues has ever wanted a personal catcher in the history of the major leagues. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the Mets, they're in an interesting position because they are an up-and-coming team. They do have the potential to do something great with this group. But they may need a more steady hand than that of Mickey Calloway to guide yeah. them there. Um, and I don't know, but this this discussion all comes in an era in baseball. And maybe we can get into this at length in another pod. But it comes at an era when the you know importance of the manager in general is being questioned more and more often. Like how much does it really matter who the manager is anymore when we have analytics, when we could just like plug formula into computer spit out lineup. Like Well, that's we saw with the Dodgers. The manager is kind of important. <laughs> but the problem is like Dave Ro- but the thing is is like the other side of that coin is But that, a four year old like, could have made the right call there. <laughs> yeah, right. It was a terrible call, and I'm not trying to play devil's advocate on the call itself. The call was terrible. It's indefensible. But the other side of the coin, though, is that Dave Roberts is considered like a top three manager in baseball, and he made that terrible call. Like there are well, no good question. managers. Yeah. If, if the if the Dodgers do fire Roberts, do you want him? I want him. I mean, yes. I think it was a terrible, terrible call, and I I don't think he's yeah, never here do no that what, again. But, um, but yeah, he's real good. Yes, 
I if the Dodgers do rage fire Roberts, sign me up immediately. Yes, absolutely. It'll be interesting. That's yeah. that is a tough that's a tough mistake to come back from. It is. And twice too, not only going to Kershaw, but leaving Kelly in. Oh yeah, that was there was just to get one bad decision snowballing on top of each other. Very bad. Very I'm bad. glad I slept through the whole thing. Yeah, this is why I'm not watching the playoffs. What <laughs> yeah. playoffs? The playoffs are over. They suck now. They're I, awful. <laughs> I feel like that is a good transition into what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Um, but first, we are going to take a break. Um, but when we get back, we are going to talk about a couple of reasons why the playoffs do suck now. So stay tuned for that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back. Um, so, obviously, the um, the postseason this year has had, you know, ev- everything that a lot of other postseasons have had. Teams that have rolled over other teams with curses, like the Yankees and the Twins. Really exciting um, divisional series so far that have gone to five games in three out of the four instances. And, you know, like big moments, et cetera, et cetera. But there are things other than poor managerial choices um, and other than teams we don't like being in the playoffs, which is like an entirely different thing. Um, There are things that, you know, kind of taint the experience. And one of them has come up in a big way in the baseball world um, this during this divisional series, which is, you know, the Braves tomahawk chop. So I figured we would talk about that. Um, And it's interesting that, you know, I think it took this discourse to another level because obviously the chop has existed for a long time. The Braves have made the playoffs other years. The Braves made the playoffs last year. Um, And this wasn't talked about, you know, as extensively as it has been talked about this uh, this postseason. Um, But this time, I think what the big difference is, is that a player has spoken out which we've talked about this on the podcast before as it relates to domestic violence and other things. When the players speak out, it matters. They have a platform, and if they use it to make change, then sometimes change can actually happen. Um, So this postseason, um, a pitcher on the Cardinals named Ryan Helsley um, was brave enough to speak out against the Tomahawk Chop. He is part Cherokee. His grandfather is full-blooded Cherokee. Um, And he basically said that he thinks that the Chop and things like it are a misrepresentation of the Cherokee people and Native Americans in general. He said it depicts them as caveman-type people who, uh, who, 
who aren't intellectual. Um, they are a lot more than that. It's not me being offended by the whole mascot thing. It's not. It's the misconception of us Native Americans, and it devalues us and how we're perceived that way or used as mas- mascots, the Redskins and stuff like that. That's the disappointing part, is what he said, in part. And in the aftermath of him saying that, um, the Braves kind of responded, but like in a one of the most head scratching responses in some time. It was like a half hearted attempt to of appeasement, basically. Awful. I am going to read the brave statement they released word for word just because you need to hear it in its full glory. Glory is not a phrase that I a phrase that I use sarcastically here, but I'll read the entire thing. Out of respect for the concerns expressed by Mr. Helsley, we will take several efforts to reduce the tomahawk chop during our in-ballpark presentation today. Among other things, these steps include not distributing foam tomahawks to each seat and not playing the accompanying music or using chop-related graphics when Mr. Helsley is in the game. As stated earlier, we will continue to evaluate how we activate elements of our brand as well as the overall in-game experience. We look forward to a continued dialogue with those in the Native American community after after the postseason concludes there's a lot to digest there <laughs> yeah it's like oh we'll only not do it when helsley is in the game like he's still in the stadium he's not <laughs> and only and that's what's so he's not I only mean, cherokee when he's pitching if they if they were like we you know we disagree we think the chop is is super excellent and we're gonna do it forever like okay they'd be wrong but there's at least some sort of internal logic there. But this idea that the the chop is somehow offensive enough to be not appropriate when a player is on the mound, but is appropriate if the player is in the bullpen. Like it just, there's no, the there it's like they're trying to, trying to offer like some little crumbs without ever having to actually own up to the fact that it's, I mean, deeply offensive and it's, it just, it makes them look really half-assed in every way. Yeah. It's just like the cognitive dissonance to say, huh? Yeah. Maybe this is bad. We'll only do the racism sometimes. It's like, yeah. What? Excuse let's have, me. Let's do fifty percent less racism. Like, Actually, no. It's, it's like let's do twenty percent less racism. It's like the idea is like, don't do the racism like, <laughs> at all. And also, what was mind blowing was after, like, you were down ten nothing after the first inning, and they still played the chop. They played the chop. Oh, like, God. how sad and pathetic are you? Oh, I'm totally gonna get tweets after I just said that, but still. <laughs> Like, oh, my God. And and the thing about the the I think the line that got me even more than like, I mean, all of it is bad, right? Like we're going to do the racism only sometimes. Also, not when the Native American guy is in the game, but he's still in the stadium. It's like all of that is just like what the actual hell. But the thing that got me for some reason the most is we will continue to evaluate how we activate elements of our brand. Our brand. So, like, <laughs> their so brand is talk- racism. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we we acknowledge that this thing is kind of offensive, but we're still calling it part of our brand. So you're admitting that part of your brand is racism, like straight yeah. up admitting it openly. Yeah. And yeah. you're just and it's just like 
so you know that the brand is racist, but you're like, but it's the brand. <laughs> you're like, what? And the thing is, like, they don't even, they don't even have to, like, ban it. They don't have to ban the chop. They don't have to, like, come out in a strongly worded statement against the chop. All they have to do is not push the button that starts playing the chop. Like, sure, some fans will do it on their own, but most of us sitting there in the stadium are not, you know, really, like, gung-ho, planning ahead sort of cheerers where, you know, people tend to follow along with what's happening around them. And if they just, like, just led the chop, like, half as often during the game and then... And then another half and another half, you know, eventually they're doing like a, like one chop a game and then you just stop doing it and people would barely notice. Yeah. Just let it slowly die. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's not hard. You just don't actively encourage it. And then like eventually fans will forget. Like it's, it's funny because the like... I will never understand the, like, staunch dedication some of these fans have. Like, I need, like, a Braves fan who isn't, like, a like a caricature of what I think these people are. Like, an actual, rational, like, real-life Braves fan. I need them I'm, to I knew a, one of those. But even him, you start talking about the chop, and he went a little... Like, he, he, he knew that it was racist. He knew it was bad. But he would still end up defending it a lot of the time. And it just, it just there's something about that being chop, man. I, God. Now they were like, they're so bad. They're like, that's the reason why we lost. Like, no, you <laughs> lost because your pitcher gave up 10 runs. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, sure, buds. That's why you lost. <laughs> yeah, right. You lost because you couldn't do the chop. Like, I just, I don't get and it. I need. they still did it. I, and they still did it. Yeah, that's right. I need someone to explain to me, like, why it matters so much to you. Like, I don't think, like, I'm trying to think of a comparative Mets thing that if you took it from me, it would, like, ruin everything. Like, I'm like, pretty eat sure the even Mets, if... maybe? What? Eat the Mets, maybe? Maybe, but no. they've changed that song. Yeah. Several times. And no one cared. No. Like... Like, I guess well, if you, like... The home run apple, maybe? Maybe. But it wasn't in City Field at some, first. There's definitely some kind of, like, reflexive, like, the toddler being told you can't have that, and they weren't really even thinking about it before, and now they really want it. Yeah, it's exactly like that. that feeling of just, like, just, you know, just wanting to have what you want just because. Yeah. And it's like, God forbid you come up with something new and unique and fun to be your brand as opposed to racism. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I feel like even if the Mets, I mean, it would stink because of like jerseys and everything. But like, even if the Mets changed the name of their franchise and kept everything else the same, like the colors, the like most of the stuff, if they just changed their name to something else, like I my, would my heart be ripped out of my chest no i i don't think it would be it's the same team it's the same team like like what what why is the chop so 
so integral to your like identity. I just, I will never get it. I just, I won't. Well, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs do it too. So it's not like they claim ownership on this original idea that's theirs. It's not yours. Yes, and the Seminoles. So it's not yours. It's not like, like, I guess they can identify it as a Braves thing, but it's still not original. Yeah. Get rid of all this all this Native American imagery is mascots and chants and stuff. Like, it's very easy to just not have your team named after that. Like, there's so many Look at things. Me. I'm you doing can it right now. Team. Yeah. Look at me. Look, I'm not naming a team after a group of human beings. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Very easy. Hmm. Well, and also, along those same lines, can we talk about the Yankees calling themselves the Savages? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's been special. Like, that's, that's really bad. As if I need another reason to, to hate them. And, like, they're making t-shirts and stuff out of this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, the, do you realize the negative connotations with that word? No, they don't. No, they don't. I mean, that's just it. They don't be paying attention to something outside themselves. If they... Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Shock. And it's not the world doesn't revolve around the Yankees. Yeah, Brett Gardner thinks it's, like, cool to, like, throw a temper tantrum in the dugout and slam your bat on the ceiling. He thinks that's, like, that's part of their brand now. That's their charm. Throwing temper tantrums is their charm. Yeah. It's, like, And destroying private property. Yeah. And it's, like, stuff like that, like, stuff like this chop discourse and the Braves doing such, like, a half-assed job at it like kind of taints the playoffs for me like i mean there's nobody likable obviously i was never gonna root for the braves to begin with but like it's just not fun to even like watch the game at all i i'm actually pretty happy that they got eliminated i felt like that was that was an appropriate uh coda to the whole story as far as i was concerned oh yeah i was Uh, like hell yeah karma (laughs) Yeah, but now I'm like, am I rooting for the Cardinals? I know. Because they sound like the Cardinals have a great history, especially with the way they treated Dexter Fowler. Yeah. I think I, I forget who tweeted it. It might have been Bradford, actually. It was Bradford. Who was like, it's very hard to out racism the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, that that tweet made my day. Yeah, that, it, was, that like, was a good tweet. The tweet of 2019 right there. Yeah, yeah. Like... So yeah, Cardinals definitely not, still not a likable franchise to me. But like, I well, guess. Well, also Jack Flaherty kind of was implying a little racism, maybe when he was like, "Oh, Acuna, like his antics or whatever." Oh yeah, there's been a lot of that shit too. <sighs> like he was like, "Oh yeah, he he didn't run and only got a single." Well, guess what? That helped your team. So why are you complaining about it? Yeah, and also like. Um, Yadier Molina and Carlos Martinez got like big mad about like celebrations, but then like they celebrated too. So it's like, mm-hmm. can you not like, can we? I thought we were like, not I thought we were over it, but like I kind of thought we were over that stuff like in the playoffs. Like, yeah, like Carlos, what's it? Carlos Martinez who blew a kiss to like Billy yes. Hamilton on the base pads. Sure did. Like, Very you did weird. that, but you. I mean, like, that's also good to do that it I mean, is it's fun but, but he's the one who openly but, complained about right, it but then don't, like, exactly then don't turn around and be a big old hypocrite about it right exactly um so the other thing that's kind of tainting the playoffs right now um that you know 
going to bring up again because, you know, it comes up, um, is that, you know, there are teams in this playoffs that are still benefiting from players that have had domestic violence charges against them in the past, which include the Yankees. So they have Araldis Chapman um, and they have Glabier Torres, who obviously through no fault of his own, not blaming Glabier Torres for this. I got into an argument with people on Twitter about this. who were like, you're blaming Glabier Torres. You know, it's not his fault. Yes, I know it's not his fault. Um, but the team is still benefiting from his services, and he's only on the Yankees because they acquired Araldis Chapman for pennies on the dollar because he had a domestic violence charge, and then they flipped him for, to a desperate Cubs team who traded them Glabier Torres. And I mean, I think that, you know, talk to Cubs fans and they'll say they would do it again because it did help them win the World Series, which, you know, that's its own thing. Um, but they're currently benefiting from both Chapman and Torres' services. And the Astros still have Roberto Osuna on their team. And there have already been more Redemption Arc articles just this postseason about mm-hmm. Roberto Osuna. The redemption arc stuff is, I, I mean, it's all awful. So much of this is just terrible, but it's, it's this, I, the, this idea that you can make up for having seriously hurt people by winning a baseball game is, is just so deeply problematic. Right. And it's not even like, it's not even like Roberto Zuna has, actually done anything redemptive at all like he's not even like been very apologetic period he basically like thinks he did nothing wrong still like he's very like i didn't do anything wrong i'm trying to move past it sort of thing and yet he's still getting these articles written about him but like can i be the best damn librarian ever and then just go like punch somebody like wait i'm still good at my job so that means i get a redemption article even though i punched somebody in the face like how many people are bazillionaires because of your job i mean probably a lot of people because they learn to read yes i was gonna say at least i'm doing a public service (laughs) (laughs) maybe oh maybe bazillionaires is not but they should be damn it your job is very important yeah i'm trying to help (laughs) But, like, like I don't get, like, just because you're good at something, like, why does that just overrule everything else? I I guess because I'm not a man, I don't understand this perspective. Is that what it is? I mean, like, there definitely seems to be the feeling of, like, these guys are all on, you know, the, metaf- the same metaphorical team. Like, yeah. That when they look at the situation, they see the abuser and the target, and the person they identify with is the abuser. Yeah. And I think that's a problem with how we are teaching our kids to empathize. That, that to me, seems like something that maybe we should work on as a human race. As a yeah. society. And it seems like it's more of like an us versus them kind of thing. Like, oh, you you don't like Azuna, you're coming for us. Like, uh, like you identify as a Houston Asho. Like, everybody, every fan says we when you had absolutely nothing to do with the 25 players on the team. Like, oh yeah, we won, woo! But so I, identifying that closely with something, I guess you can't disassociate from the, both the good and the bad. So. 
Yeah, so anybody who attacks Ozuna, I guess you feel is a personal attack on yourself. Yeah. But uh, you should say, like, there should be lines, though. There should be, you should be able to see domestic violence is wrong, and you can call it out with it without not, without saying that it's a personal attack on you and your fandom. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yep. on that note, we kind of got an email about this recently that we kind of wanted to respond to because it's relevant to this discussion um so this email's from tom thanks tom for sending the email in um he first thanked us for you know bringing up domestic violence on the podcast um and talking about it um but he he said one thing that niggles my mind though is due process i totally see that there are incentives for victims and systems not to prosecute and that doesn't make anyone innocent but i am not really comfortable with guilt by public acclaim and much less comfortable with outsourced punishment. If I work at a Starbucks and I think OJ Simpson did it, should I refuse him a cup of coffee? So this concept comes up a lot when we talk about, when people talk about domestic violence and, you know, players and like being suspended and, or calls for them to be removed from baseball entirely. Um, People talk about, like, due process, innocent until proven guilty. But I think, like, what these people miss when they say these things is that baseball is not a court of law. And no one is taking away Roberto Osuna's due process. Like, if there is sufficient evidence that he committed a crime, he will go to jail, hopefully. But, you know, I don't trust the justice system as much as some of these people do, maybe. Um, But... If there is not sufficient evidence that he did a crime or, you know, witnesses stop cooperating with an investigation for their own personal reasons, then he won't go to jail. And I don't think anyone is saying that that is bad or wrong or the incorrect course of action. What people are talking about is baseball, which is different. Well, I think it also it misses that, like, not all consequences for immoral actions are legal consequences what we're talking about are social consequences and people have social consequences for their actions all the time so i mean uh colin kaepernick is currently experiencing social action social consequences for his actions which were perceived by some to be immoral now he did something as terrible as taking a knee he didn't you know just beat his wife or whatever like he would still have a job if he did but you know that's it's not it's not like this is some kind of special case like only we're it's not like we're only saying oh well, there should be social consequences when somebody you know commits an act of domestic violence there are social consequences all the time and you know the fact that um i, I think part of the problem is that for so long there have been no social consequences of any kind for domestic violence. Like, none at all. It is only even recently that, like, it stopped being basically a joke. And even in some circles it still is kind of a joke. Um, But, yeah, I, I think, like, if your buddy, you know, puts his wife in the hospital, do you still want to go out and hang out with that person every day? I mean, if you do, that's kind of its own situation. But if you don't, you don't have to go and hang out with your buddy who beat up his wife. You could just not do that. You could go spend your time with people who 
don't beat up their wives. Like it's, and that's a social consequence. That is a, a very close relation of what we're talking about. And also you signed a contract to play major league baseball. Like you're their employee. If I drove drunk to work or if I was drunk at work, my job could suspend me. No questions asked. If your job perceives you to do something wrong and wants to punish you for it, they're absolutely within their rights to do it. Like, that's why you've signed a contract with them. So, and like, you know, if I was drunk at work, I might not get arrested, but my job can absolutely whiz well within their rights to punish me. So there is, like you said, there's social consequences. There's consequences as an employee. Like, it's not just a legal matter that we're talking about. Right. And like, and it all comes back to, you know, the concept that these men's lives are being ruined by, you know, just facing some level of accountability for what they've done. When playing baseball and being adored by millions of fans and making millions of dollars is a privilege. It is not a right. Like, due process is a right. (laughs) that we all are able to enjoy in a society but being famous celebrity adoration those things are not rights and they can be taken away and you won't see me here saying like oh well you know even though they couldn't get anyone to testify they should just throw jose reyes into jail anyway like i'm none of us would ever say that like due process is important as as frustrating and upsetting as it is that so many people who do this have no consequences at all. Like nobody is saying that the answer is that, um, is that due process should cease to exist. It's just that this is an area in which the legal process is not as foolproof as we might like it to be. So we need to find other disincentives outside of that system and that's not, you know, that's not an aberration because, again, there are, there are non-legal consequences that we use all the time. Um, but, like, we should do that. <laughs> we should do that with this. We do it with so many other things. Man, if only Robert Azuno would um, take a knee during the, during the national anthem, then we wouldn't, wouldn't be having this conversation because he'd be out of a job. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And also, it's it's not just that, you know, we want them punished, but, like, obviously, that would be nice. But you don't need to go in the other direction, too. Like, Ozuna benefited from his suspension. He got to go from the Blue Jays to a team that's always going to be in in the hunt for the World Series. You think he's upset he's no longer on the Blue Jays? Yeah, like, got Jose Reyes out of Colorado too. Yeah, where he was he hated miserable. It he he hated it. The Yankees benefited. The Astros benefited. Like it's it's not just that there's no consequences, it's that they're you're making it worse. They're you're you're kind of incentivizing domestic violence because it's working so far for these teams to to capitalize on these suspensions and so by not having any consequences of any sort i mean i guess maybe even the consequences led directly like the impending um chapman uh 
suspension is what led to everything to begin with. So even the consequences that we asked for aren't working. And it doesn't seem like baseball wants to figure out a solution for it. At least in the case of Domingo Herman, another player on the Yankees, as it turns out, um, he and I think I mean the cynical side of me says that this is only true because it because of the timing of it because it happened very shortly before the postseason. But unlike previous, you know, people who committed these offenses, he was not he he was not put on the postseason roster and was not eligible for the postseason. Um, whereas you know that being eligible for the postseason despite a domestic violence suspension is what drives a lot of this. Um, Mm -hmm. It's what drove the Osuna situation and the Chapman situation, Um, because otherwise they wouldn't be, you know, as valuable as, quote, trade commodities as they were. Um, So, you know, at least Domingo Herman was not able to participate in the postseason. um, But I it remains to be seen whether this is, you know, a step toward taking these things more seriously and disincentivizing, you know, these players becoming trade chips um or whether it's just because of the timing of it i mean mean, certainly that would be a simple and helpful step for mlb to take yeah yeah and it should have been done way before this yeah it should have been done as soon as the azuna deal went down because people were crying for it then they were begging for it and MLB had all off season to look into that, to figure it out. And not once did I hear anything about it. They were more concerned with pace of play and the DH coming to the national league. Like, yeah. Where's all that pace of play talk getting them? Mm -hmm. The last games have been like eight hours long. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. Good job, man. Fred. Next, next game is going to be as long as Joe Girardi's job interview. interview. Yeah. Um, well, before we before we finish up with um, emails, um, I did want to uh, briefly um, respond to one more email um, that we got from Howard. Um, just thanking us for all the podcasts from throughout the year, saying that we're great Mets fans and he enjoys our insights. Um, and he appreciates that we're all very consistent in ripping players for unacceptable off-field behavior, so we just did that in this show, so. Um, and I hope you continue to highlight those issues, but he asks that we do not forget to continue to rip the will ponds at every chance we get, because he says spending is clearly not commensurate with team's revenues. They would rather put money in their pockets than help the team, but they spend just short of tanking, because he acknowledges this was in the immediate aftermath of the podcast where we ranted about tanking, um, he he also said that he hates tanking and tanking equals losing equals money in owners pockets. Um, and he wanted to make sure that we, you know, rip the will ponds for not spending enough to trust us, Howard. We will keep doing that. And I'm sure in the offseason, we will have ample opportunities to do that when they do not sign Garrett Cole and do not, you know, take the steps they need to take to improve their bullpen fully. Um, Prove us wrong. Yeah, please do. Please do. We would love it. Yeah, really shut close. us up. 
we're really close to something great. And if the Wilpons open up their wallets just a little tiny bit this off season, I think that the Mets could be a competitive team. So I will happily eat crow on that one. Exactly. So thank you for the email, Howard. Um, We appreciate it. We always appreciate all your emails. Um, Send us more emails, own at gmail.com. We will read them on the podcast sometimes, um, probably more often during the off season because we'll be looking for things to talk about. Um, So yeah, Um, that is our show for this week. Um, We will wrap things up like we always do with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back. Um, so we will finish out the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, my walk-off win is, well... I'm kind of cheating a little bit because at the time of recording, it has not yet actually happened, but by the time this posts, it will have happened. And that is that we're going to visit my mom in Connecticut this weekend and we're going to go apple picking and just get like pumpkins for the kids to make jack-o'-lanterns. And it's just going to be a like autumn wonderland in Connecticut. And, you know, my mom is like this just like amazing grandma mother of mine who like you know cooks with the kids and is like always having fun and playing with them and then we're gonna go we're gonna hang with my dad at this little um like totally adorable old school fast food restaurant called red rooster like it's just gonna be a really lovely weekend and i am very excited to kind of break away from the city and and chill out in that country life for a while yeah, I'm going this weekend because um, for those of you who have, you know, off on Monday because it's Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, as I would prefer we celebrate. Um, I am taking that three-day weekend and my family and I are going up to Vermont to see my brother. So I will be in New England and looking at leaves and it's going to be fantastic. And we're going to go on a hike and we're going to go to Citizen Cider and we're going to ha- go to lovely restaurants in Stowe, Vermont and it's going to be beautiful so I'm very excited for that too. and I'm going in the opposite direction I'm going to Florida this weekend <laughs> <laughs> very nice <laughs> getting away from the cooler weather to hang on to summer just a little bit longer it's in the 80s down there so it will be it will be mm. summery sounds good to me Linda what I'm is cold your all walk-off? I'm cold all the time yeah uh, <laughs> yeah right Linda what is your walk-off win for this week um, my walk-off win is actually from Monday. Um, it was my niece's sixth 
birthday. So happy birthday, Emily. Um, she's a big first grader now. And um, when she was born, I had a different job. And um, where I work now is um, like a, about a couple blocks down the road from the hospital where she was born. So even just driving to work on Monday, I was like, I was driving the same exact path to the hospital six years ago uh, to visit her for the first time. And it was just, uh, um, it just brought back memories. Like it was the same road, the same trees, the same, you know, the leaves were changing colors and it just brought everything back. Like, cause that was the first time I became an aunt. So um just seeing how little she was and just remembering um you know the nurses wheeling her in and the her little bassinet and um you know just the whole experience of becoming an aunt for the first time and just to see her now and like how silly and sassy and funny she is and to see her like blossom in school and she's doing dance and she got to meet the rock cats and um so it's just been fun to see her grow up so far and um i can't wait to continue to see see her grow and to see the young lady she would become um so happy birthday emily um aunt Linda loves you and many many happy birthdays to come happy birthday emily I am biased because I think October babies are the best. Yes. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> um, so my walk-off win for this week um, is that I had a really, really nice weekend last weekend in New York City. Um, the highlight of which uh, will be of interest to the listeners of this podcast, I am sure. Um, and those of you who follow me on Twitter already know about this, but I did it. I got a Mets tattoo. Um, so I've been planning, I've been wanting this tattoo for a really, really long time. Um, I got the home run apple tattooed on my right shoulder. Um, I've been wanting it for ages, but I didn't have enough money because I was still a really broke grad student. Um, and so I wanted to get to a place financially where I could afford it. Um, and so it was kind of my um, my PhD graduation gift to myself, very belatedly, but I needed the time to save up the money, like I said. So I graduated my PhD in February, and this was kind of my gift to myself. Um, my tattoos have come at like kind of like major milestone points in my life and I kind of like treat myself with getting you know new ink so the very first one I got I got when I like started college and then the second one I got I got after I passed my comprehensive exam in grad school which is like the first big hurdle and then obviously the second big hurdle is handing in your dissertation so this is kind of my like ink to celebrate that. Um, and now, and I feel like I got the ink at a good time because you can't say I'm like a bandwagoner because it's not like I got it like right after the Mets won the World Series or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm freaking dedicated. Um, so it was really nice. Um, I just want to give a shout out to my artist, Galen Bryce at Triple Diamond Tattoo in Brooklyn. Um, he did an amazing job with this tattoo. I could not be happier with it. Currently, it's like pretty ugly because it's flaking and healing and all the skin is all gross. But I know that once it heals, it will be so, so awesome. Um, he 
stayed after the shop closed just to make sure everything was perfect. He kept tattooing me. All the other artists left, like front desk person left, like everyone was gone besides him and me and Michael (laughs) (laughs) sitting there tattooing me still like getting close to 9 p.m. So he's a champion. The tattoo looks fabulous. So shout out to Galen. Thank you so much for a wonderful piece that I'm going to take with me for my whole life to celebrate this thing, this stupid baseball team that is incredibly important to me. And shout out to Michael for sitting for three hours and holding my hand the whole time. (laughs) How did you sit still? It's not easy. Um, no it's not easy I actually started in like a like so it's on like the back of my shoulder so the for the for the line work I was sitting I was sitting up but I kind of had a cushion that I had my arms on and I was like leaning forward but then like he was like all right we'll do the line work and then we'll take a break and then we'll do the coloring so we did the line work and then like I like he was like how you doing and I was like I'm okay but my lower back hurts so much from like not moving in that position and he was like do you want me to bring out the like table so you can like lay down and I was like yes (laughs) (laughs) so for the like last two-thirds of it I like the like hour one I was like sitting up but leaning forward and my back was killing me and I was like that's how I know I'm old now um and then like for the for the second and third hour, I was laying like on my stomach, like flat, which was a lot better. Um, I had to like, what I did was, is I like tucked my arm underneath my body and it did eventually fall asleep, but it was so that my arm wouldn't twitch. Oh. <laughs> so I didn't want to move. So I was like, I got to trap it with the weight of my body so that I don't like mess it up. Um, but yeah, it, well, it is, turned it, out awesome. It did. Thanks. Yeah. It's not easy not moving for that long. And when you're in pain too, cause your body's like natural instinct is to flee. And so like the needle touches you and you're like, eh! you like have to not twitch. Um, yeah, I was going to say like, how do you not flinch? It, you just it's like, sort of, I mean, I got, when I, it's been a very long time since I got my tattoo, but I think it's cause it wasn't really like, like a sharp, like a jabbing sudden pain it's more like a yeah it doesn't feel great sort of pain you know yeah there's no like there's no like shock moment of like yeah it's just sort of like "Mm, I don't like that yeah like maybe the very first line they draw is like but then like after that you like know it's coming so it's kind of like you know it's it's not that bad I describe it to people like like the line work is kind of like it's like a cat scratching you, kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I described it. I've been scratched by many cats, so I know what that is. <laughs> I described it. It kind of felt like um, going over and over the same spot with like a nail file. Yeah. Oh, okay. The coloring yeah, I mean, part, I tell people like that it feels like if you have like if you have like a like if your skin is sensitive or like you have like a sunburn or like there's an area of your skin that's like like kind of like not feeling great and you rub it with like sandpaper that's kind of what yeah. it feels like oh. it's not good it's, it's not, not like pleasant. i'm not signing up for this, but it's also like it's if it was literally just like being feeling like it was stabbed with a needle over and over again then i i wouldn't have done it at all <laughs> like that yeah but it is a, a different sort of discomfort for sure i always said if the mets win the world series <gasps> i would get um a Yay! tattoo of feathers for hope is the thing of feathers that perches in the soul because obviously it's literary. 
Yes. So I would get like either feathers or a bird or something, but I'm I think I'm too much of a wimp. <laughs> if you need if you need moral support, I'll come with you. Okay. Well, but it might be when I'm like 85 that this might happen. We'll still be doing this podcast when we're 85, and I'll yes. be, I'll come with you. <laughs> Our like 5,000th episode, Linda gets tattooed. <laughs> Linda gets tattooed live. Um, live I think if us. we do 5,000 episodes, you should get tattooed no matter what the Mets do. <laughs> exactly. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. That's true. That's a lot of like Mets talk after five thousand episodes. I would have earned it by then. Yeah, for sure. That's almost as many episodes as Joe Girardi recorded with the Cubs. <laughs> ah, boom! <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. So it's just it was just a nice weekend in New York. Like other than obviously I got the tattoo. That was like the big thing. But I got to see my my friend Kathy just moved to the city, my best friend from college. Um, So I got to, you know, see her and hang out with her and my and my other really close friend, Sarah. Um, The three of us hung out and we went and got drinks on Saturday night and like in the city and we spent the whole day together, wandered around Central Park, and that was really fun. And then we went out for drinks, and we ended up late in the night. We ended up at a drag show. Not intentionally, but we ended up at a drag show and had a rip-roaring good time. It was freaking awesome. Like, they worked it, and I had such a good time. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. We, we, like, we just ended up back in the village, because that's where I was staying, because that's where Michael's sister lives, and I was staying with them. And... Um, we ended up back at the village at the end of the night and we just walked by this bar and we were like, let's go in. Like, seems cool. Seems like it seems like it's hopping in there. We like walk in and we're like, there's a drag show right now. Heck yeah. And so we just stayed and it was great. Um, so lots of fun. Really good weekend. Um, yep. It was great. Um, and we, we I got to see the Brooklyn Bridge with my eyeballs for the first time, which makes another thing that like never been to the Statue of Liberty. Like I've also never seen the Brooklyn Bridge. Like I've seen it from like afar, afar when I've been like in the city, but I've never like because I was in Brooklyn when I got my tattoo because that's where the studio was. And I was like, maybe I should like look at the Brooklyn Bridge with my eyes. So I did that. Um, we we took pictures and, you know, did the whole Brooklyn Bridge thing. We wandered around the, like, the open-air market in Brooklyn, the smorgasbord. Um, just a great weekend. Really good weekend. So <clears throat> that does it for our show this week. Um, you will be hearing from us, uh, like we said um, last episode, you will be hearing from us every other week during the off season. So you'll hear from us this week. We'll be off. And then you'll hear from us the week after. Um, so that's kind of what the schedule is going to be like um, during the off season. We have um, a lot of interviews planned with lots of fun guests for you guys. Um, we also might do book club stuff, so stay tuned for that. Um, if you if you have suggestions for baseball books that we should read for like a podcast book club sort of off season situation, email the show aa.apodoftheirown at gmail dot com or tweet at us at a pod of their own. You can follow the show on Twitter. Um, in the meantime, please, um, go to amazingavenue.com, read all of our fantastic content. We still have the season review series that's happening right now where we're going through each Mets season, um, and reviewing how their performance went. I will have overall season review meters going up soon. I've been slacking off doing that. I need to do that. Um, uh, but in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com. You can read all of the season reviews, 
um, follow along. Uh, we put up postseason game threads for every single postseason game. So if you're watching the, the postseason and want to chat with us about it, come chat with us. Um, and if you're not watching the postseason, we don't blame you. Yeah, no. seriously. <laughs> um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter, like I said, at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, um, Android apps, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original um, music for this podcast, the intro and the outro to this show, is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.